Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor, or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. Well, hello and welcome everyone to Australia's Hour of Investing Power, the show that's as great as you want it to be. This is Spotty Live in lockdown from Melbourne Town for the next 60 minutes. We're going to be answering your questions live on air. Please don't ask us anything about crazy politicians, though, because we have no idea. Uh, otherwise, if it's stock related, then text us 0480 079 089, or you can email us question at spotty.com.au. You will see these details appear throughout the show, uh, so no need to memorise it. It will be uh, down the bottom of the screen periodically. Uh, let's bring in today's chief spotters. Uh, well, starting with one of the favourites of our show, it's Ron Shamgar from Tamam Asset Management. G'day, Ron. How are you doing? Hey, Elliot. <clears throat> How you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks very much for uh, joining us for the start of what is a crazy week. For those uh, looking at all their news websites, they're seeing some pretty funny headlines at the moment. So let's see if we can keep it real and keep it related to stocks. But uh, for those who have been sleeping under a rock and don't know who you are, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and also the firm you represent, Tamam Asset Management? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm the head of Aussie Equities for um, Tamam Asset Management. We're uh, boutique uh, investment firm based in Sydney and we offer uh, wholesale and retail clients um, uh, several sort of investment products, uh, Aussie equities, uh, international equities, uh, property and, and credit funds. Uh, and personally, I manage the um, Tamim uh, all cap Aussie uh, portfolios and the uh, Tamim small cap uh, income fund uh, for them. And if you can go to tamim.com.au to have a look at the uh, funds that Ron runs, uh, as well as the other ones as well, be sure to read the product disclosure statements though before making any investment decision as always. Uh, before we, oh, and sorry, I should have mentioned, the other guest is little old me. I'll be looking after the technical stuff, but probably straying into the fundamental stuff. Why? Well, I've done a course in it. I'm a certified financial technician for what that's worth. Um, part of my investment strategy does actually use uh, technical analysis, so I will be applying a very similar method to that in regards to this uh, discussion today. Uh, but yeah, like I said, please, apo apologies in advance if I do stray into my sort of fundamental leaning and bent. But before we get started, folks, just a reminder that all the information in today's show is of a general nature only. None of it takes into account your objectives, financial situations or needs, and therefore, should you decide to act on any of the information, you need to do so in light of your own personal circumstances. Past performance is no indicator of future performance. Uh, and if you've got a, a question about anything relating to your own personal circumstances, then you need to discuss, uh, discuss it with someone who is licensed to actually have that discussion with you. Um, and also a reminder, both Ron and myself uh, do hold interest in shares. We try to remind everyone if we do actually have that interest uh, in this forum, but sometimes in the cut and thrust of stock discussion, we may forget, but we're more than happy to answer your questions directly if there is a question you want to know in regards to a stock that we may hold 
specifically. And for the next hour, Spotty is proud to be powered by our sponsors at Sharewell Systems. And since 1995, uh, Sharewell Systems have been helping investors protect and grow their share portfolio using a rules-based investing approach that gives them an edge over others. So if you wish to learn more about the team powering our spotlight and how you too can win the race of investing life, then please go to their website, sharewellsystems.com, and be sure to read all the relevant information uh, on that website before making any decisions. Okay, so as we go to air currently, the market, just having a look there, the all order is a little bit flat, slightly down uh, at the moment, uh, 0.03, the XJO 0.05%. So relatively flat, of course, public holiday um, in the US as well overnight. So uh, just uh, treading water, it will look like for most of the day. Seems politics seems to be the theme of the moment. But Ron, I want to start with the topic of the day. Um, and I know you've been a particularly busy boy being a fund manager there at Tamman because of course, uh, often uh, as part of your job, you will get a number of deals that come across your desk. It's, it's been really quite intriguing to see the amount of IPOs that are actually going to be coming up at the moment. So I think the topic I'd like to really open up with in regards to you and your unique position and, and insights that you can provide our viewers is what are you making of this run, you know, run, dash for the line as it were with all these IPOs? Is it companies just cashing in or, or are they going for a genuine shot at growth here? And, you know, I, I mean, we've got um, uh, about beauty and there, there's a whole range of them uh, that are about to hit the market at the moment. And I think we'd love to get some sort of insight in, you know, can we be reading anything into this latest rush, uh, Ron? Yeah, well, it's definitely a mixture of both um, sort of things that you said, but I mean, you know, at the end of the day, the, the IPO market is uh, an extension of investor sentiment and uh, investor sentiment is, is very strong and bullish right now. Uh, there's a lot of liquidity in the system and there's a, uh, you know, fundies, investors are cashed up. Um, and so we're seeing usually uh, the IPO market sort of responds to whatever the sort of thematic of the day, flavor of the of the day kind of thing. So we're seeing a lot of uh, companies coming to market, uh, obviously e-commerce, which has done really well, uh, payment stocks and the buy now, pay later sector, and, and even telco and, and a, a few other retailers, which again benefited from all the consumer stimulus out there. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, there, there's a mixture, some some IPOs, obviously there, there's some that look really good and that we're very interested in. Um, I'll, I'll mention a few names that are worth watching. Obviously, I won't say which ones we're interested in because we might want to buy more. <laughs> uh, but um, there's definitely a few that are interesting. And then, you know, in regards to, to like opportunistic, there's definitely some big sell downs in some of them. Mm. And in other ones, uh, we've seen management teams don't really sell much. So that's obviously a positive and you want to watch out for that. Uh, but, you know, in the e-commerce space, there's definitely a couple of, of good ones. Um, one that's already uh, uh, raised is Adore Beauty which is an e-commerce business uh, for you know, online beauty products. That's you know, a huge sell down there, but yeah. that looks pretty interesting, obviously doing well. There's another one that's coming, which is Koala, which is online uh, furniture and mattress, so doing well, like Temple Webster. You know, you got Aussie Broadband, which is benefiting from the demand for data and internet. Um, and then um, the other ones that we've seen, Dusk, which is a retailer selling, again, um, fragrances for, for homeware and that. And then there's one which really benefits from COVID, uh, Clean Space, which they sell these air purifying masks, uh, both for manufacturing industries and, and, and hospitals, and they're just absolutely killing it. Yeah, and suffice to say that at the moment, it's uh, definitely a run for the line. Interesting you mentioned that Adore Beauty, because I was going to say that in regards to that big management sell down, uh, but uh, 
but yeah, obviously uh, th that shouldn't necessarily uh, mean they shouldn't be considered, but it is one of those things that you do want to watch. Okay, so it's time for us to get into questions, uh, Ron, and I want to start with one that actually came from uh, the previous week. It's from one of our regular spotties, uh, Josh. He's asking about forbidden foods. The code is triple F. Um, now, you know, obviously, recently uh, listed um, as well, um, and pop, you know, initially, the, the, but the profits have been eroded from that at the moment, sort of been sold off since then. Triple F, is it a company you're familiar with? And uh, yeah, what's your view on it? Yeah, actually, I, I met the two founders, the sort of uni buddies. Um, they founded the business together. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they seem like a, a good bunch of guys. Um, you know, it's an interesting business. So they raised 8 million bucks. I think the market cap is about $22 million. Um, they, they produce organic foods, uh, healthy snacks, and they're about to launch a, a baby food range as well. And they also wholesale their plant-based protein. So obviously that's a very sort of growing thematic uh, for plant-based uh, foods. And, you know, they're looking to uh, expand the distribution to overseas and, and in other distribution points. Um, you know, we sort of had a look at it. Um, you know, there, there were capital constraints before the IPO, so revenues weren't really growing much. I think they're doing around $4 million of revenue. Um, they're not really profitable yet. And we had a look at some analysts numbers. They reckon it's sort of 10, 12 mil um, of uh, revenue that they break even. And then from then on, they start uh, becoming profitable. Um, so it, it is a bit, I mean, the valuation is not bad. So I guess if they can accelerate that revenue top line, uh, you know, th this could be a multi-bagger. We don't own it. It's too subscale for us. You know, we, yeah. we want to see that top line growth, which hasn't been seen. So yeah, but it, it's one worth watching. Yeah, look, I mean, from a chart perspective, it's a little bit too early at this point, but I think if it broke below that 25 cent mark, you know, then no one's making money on it. It would be uh, very difficult to see a rapid recovery there. And then obviously they'd have to prove to the market that they're more than just a one trick pony. Ron, I do want to talk about a stock that's had been in the news today in regards to announcement. It's Bravura Solutions, BVS. The question comes from Lisa. Um, uh, look, obviously, the company's acquired a UK software company, Delta, uh, for some $41 million. Um, it's a back end to support UK pensions and, and the like, which is would seem to me very much aligned with what they do. Uh, Ron, have you had a chance to have a brief uh, review of this? Because, of course, it's uh, hot off the press today. Yeah, Bravura, um, as you mentioned, they provide um, admin software for super funds and pension funds in Australia and, and the UK. Um, you know, it's, it's a good profitable software business. Um, they sort of uh, had a good run in terms of uh, growth and profitability up until sort of uh, last year, FY19. And then FY20 results were a bit flat. They, they've really been struggling for organic growth. Uh, they, mm. I think they had 1% organic growth last year and most of the other growth came from acquisitions. Um, you know, they, they did, as you mentioned, they, they announced an acquisition today. I think they get about 12 mil of, of revenue from that deal which is growing. So that's going to be positive for them. They didn't really quantify the accretion. Um, I guess the, the issue for Bravura um, is that, you know, it, it, their customers are sticky, but then on the flip side, it's actually hard to get uh, customers from competitors uh, to actually switch over as well. And there's obviously because of COVID, I think there's been a lot of lack of uh, investment in, in new software and, and so forth. And that's why they've been struggling to sort of grow. Uh, it, it's not expensive for a software business. Uh, I think, they're on 22 times PE this year and 13 times EV to EBITDA. 
three uh, percent fully frank dividend yield. So it's a reasonable valuation. Uh, but um, you know you, you want to see that organic growth in order to get the, the investors to sort of pay up for this. Uh, one thing to see though that with the federal budget and um, you know with the super fund ratings and so on going forward, uh, I think we might see a bit of um, super funds and consolidation in Australia, mm. and that might see um, you know underperforming funds sort of lose mandates, you know closing down or merging with other ones, and then we might see that as a catalyst to uh, uh, sort of update software or to, to get rid of one software application and maybe Bravura can win market share there. Yeah, well, there, there's definitely there'll be a lot of, um, I suppose, disruption if that occurs because uh, obviously uh, a lot of money to be moved around and uh, yeah, no doubt you'll need a good backend system to manage that. From a technical perspective, while this thing has more ceilings to break through than a US female presidential candidate, to be honest with you, there's too many levels uh, that it has to break through. I mean, we're talking about levels at four dollars you got another one just below at around 480 five dollars and then ultimately you know pushing up towards six there's even a few other levels there uh downside you've got 280 uh really would be that level it's been on a downtrend for quite some times lower highs and lower lows this is not necessarily the type of chart that you want to be invested in um if you want to you know wanted to have a nibble at this particular um, stage here well obviously it's coming off a base but there's a huge gap it's got to fill from over four dollars down to three dollars twenty odd which is going to take some time unless there's some amazing re-rate on the business that we haven't seen yet would this be the catalyst for it well it'll be interesting to see what the brokers come up with um, post uh, uh, this session here but yeah my my gut feeling is I think there's plenty of time before the bus pulls out of that station. Um, now, a question from Jaden for you, Ron. Obviously aware that you were uh, appearing. You had a look at the website and saw you were the uh, next guest coming on today. Wanted to get your view on a stock ReadyTech, RDY. Bit of a dime a dozen, these sort of, you know, HR software, uh, you know, SaaS type uh, companies at the moment. This is another one. Um, but he would like to know whether you think this is one of the better ones of those HR type uh, companies. And uh, if you've got a price target on it, if you're covering it, yeah, actually we we own ReadyTech. Um, we, we 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 don't mind it. We liked it since the IPO. I think that the management team are, have done an okay job. It's a bit of a, a roll-up software business. They have sort of two types of software. One is targeting sort of payroll, HR, and small to medium-sized businesses, and then the the other parts of the business is uh, education uh, and student admin software. So they sell into universities, uh, TAFEs, and sort of RTOs. And they actually, I think they're going to benefit from the um, federal budget in terms of um, some of the um, sort of job maker credit, apprenticeship, apprenticeships, and um, uh, $1.2 billion stimulus. And then there's also been some new research funding for universities announced about a billion dollars. So that, that should see their end clients sort of, um, I think, benefit, which will benefit them as well. Uh, they're not expensive. They're trading on about nine times EV to EBITDA, and they've been quite resilient through through COVID. So um, I, I think it's not a bad one. We value it around that two dollar fifty uh, mark. Uh, it looks relatively cheap for a software business, and I think the sort of the key catalyst is for them to to um, to uh, keep acquiring uh, other smaller providers, uh, which uh, I think will get the stock re-rated. But we we really like it. Okay, so that's uh, RDY there. Um, did receive a uh, question, just trying to grab that uh, who from. Ben asked about um, uh, Telex Pharmaceuticals, TLX. 
uh, which is currently going through FDA approval for a drug treatment. Okay, so just to be specific, what TLX are currently doing is they're, well, they've got a pipeline of what the molecular targeted radiation, MTR basically, uh, a range of therapies which are used to treat cancer. Now in MTR therapy, basically what happens is a radioactive cell is attached to a targeting agent, such as a small molecule, for example, or an antibody. And basically what it's designed to do is that it, it targets the actual tumour, it binds to the tumour, and then delivers the radioactive payload really selectively right in that point. The idea being, of course, to kill uh, cancer cells, but it could also shrink, well, obviously by doing that, it shrinks the tumour and it halts their growth. It's a very similar in concept type of uh, technology as to what, you know, the, the old Surtex, SRX, uh, would do different uh, application in the way it's put through, but it's that same sort of uh, idea of really targeted radiotherapy versus the very blunt method where you target an area and you damage not only the cancer cells, but also other good cells um, that are around it. Now, um, generally the company says that they're typically well tolerated by, uh, by patients, which is good. They've got a number of projects on the go, but the one that's been making the most noise in recent times has been their prostate cancer solution. Uh, I think it's fair to suggest that it's a case of slow and steady steps here um, for the business as they continue to go through this process. But yeah, the technology, we know we definitely need it. Um, and yeah, the targeted uh, sort of radioactive methods isn't a concept that's totally novel. It has been done before. And if they're able to pull it off, then obviously it'll do well. But from a fundamental side of things, obviously they've got some time to go yet. Ron, um, follow on question in regards to Big Tin Can. Uh, following their acquisition that they made last week. Uh, BTH is the code for those of you playing at home. Uh, Ron, do you have a view on uh, Big Tin Can at the moment? Company, um, very bullish on it. They're a software business, uh, pure SaaS, uh, recurring revenue in the cloud. They, they provide sales enablement uh, software to organizations and help them to sort of upskill their employees and obviously help them with sales. Um, they're doing really well. Uh, sales enablement is one of their sort of highest growth, um, you know, SaaS software out there. And uh, interestingly, Big Tin Can has been rated uh, by Gartner Global sort of research house that is one of the sort of best featured um, sales enablement software in the world. So that's been really positive for them. They're going through that huge re-rate for a SaaS business as they get through that $50 million of uh, annual recurring revenue. So they've guided for that this year. And they probably need to do, they've got about $70 million of net cash and they probably need to do about sort of um, 25 or so million dollars of acquisitions to sort of get that five to $7 million of annual recurring revenue uh, and then plus organic growth, which will get them to their target of 50 mil. And, and this is a, a huge milestone for SaaS, SaaS businesses because they usually tend to get sort of rated onto a sort of a higher um, uh, annual recurring revenue multiple of maybe 10 times or more. And, and so if we look at sort of next year's numbers, they could do 60 mil in FY22 of ARR. And if you apply that multiple, you sort of get a dollar eighty valuation. And I think they also get included in the ASX 300 um, index rebalance soon. And we'll see a lot more. And we're already seeing a lot more uh, institutional fund managers sort of starting to mm -hmm. buy into the stock. And we're seeing that sort of uh, in the share price. So I uh, really like it, great story. And we'll probably get taken out um, in the next few years. Yeah, I don't think I need to add any expertise in regards to the technical analysis side of things here. When you start at the bottom left corner and finish at the top right, <laughs> that's a good stock to be on.
Um, no, I just want to quickly uh, talk about a stock that was really the darling from last week. It was Estrella Resources, uh, definitely the start of stuff of dreams. It rose over 400% the day it announced that it had intersected some 2.9 metres of nickel copper sulphide mineralisation at their carboid project uh, from a depth of some 368 metres. Now, further adding to the positive sentiment is the fact that the mineralisation is open in all directions as well, and that really got everyone excited. Now, this was one hell of a move by the company, though, because they put it all on the line for this uh, final drill hole. Uh, basically, uh, the uh, carboid area is a brownfields project, um, and near-surface drilling hadn't really shown much for some time. This was their Hail Mary, their, well, I suppose their buzzer beater from the back quarters, Ron would like to call it, uh, you know, and to the victor goes the spoils. So what next is what everyone's asking for. Well, the current drilling program will continue. Um, that's going to be followed by some survey work to get some idea of the size of the mineralization and soon followed by a capital raising, no doubt. Now, this project is not de-risked by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but there is a pulse and where there is life, there's 400% gains to be made. So if you're looking to buy in, then maybe you want to wait for some price to, uh, consolidation to occur, um, you know, somewhere. Uh, basically, whether it's higher or lower than here, it really doesn't matter. You've missed the pop right now, and obviously that's when prices can be their most volatile. There's a number of companies that have these pops and can retrace quite heavily, and I'll actually be talking about one of those as one of my stocks to see the light on. It might be a little bit too risky to take a position right now, wait for that consolidation, but congratulations to holders, and we wish management of ESR the best as they continue down what's been an amazing story. Ron, a question came through from Phil, and I want to stick with the telco space uh, for the moment. Um, Spirit Telecom, ST1. Phil's a very astute uh, spotty uh, of ours, and he's noticed, if he's read correctly, that Credit, Credit Suisse has shorted in the past few weeks um, and uh, must have used the capital raising to buy in and then borrow, um, and then borrowed off the prime brokerage agreement that they had. Now, does Ron have any commentary on that? So in regards to the short selling position and whether to expect more of that in the future, having short attacks on your stock is never fun, as Phil notes. Ron, are you able to uh, shine any light in regards to what's occurring with ST1 at the moment? Yes, so Phil, I can uh, put your mind at ease. Uh, I've spoken to the company. There is no shorting in the stock. There was no shorting in the stock by Credit Suisse or by Regal or by anyone. Uh, it, it was just basically a sort of like a, a, a lending and reorganization of stock holdings that Regal has um, with um, Credit Suisse and so on. So um, th there was no shorting and um, uh, it was really just like a non-event. I think the only reason you saw weakness in the share price in the last couple of weeks is purely just from the money that was raised in the, in the SPP. Mm. Uh, you know, it was down 32 cents. There was a bit of profit there, and there's always a few punters that you know like to um, to take that. Uh, I think it's a really good story. Uh, Spirit Telecom. They're going to update uh, their Q1 for this year tomorrow at their AGM. And we think it's going to be a really strong quarter. Uh, they're doing really well. They're going to benefit from that VPD acquisition that they've done at the beginning of the quarter, uh, and they're, they're just doing really well. And uh, I think we're gonna see a lot more acquisitions coming up. They're really well funded and um, it's a great story and, and one of our largest, if not our largest holding. Yeah, and I have an interest in it as well, Phil. And uh, 
Yeah, I must admit, you did cause, cause my heart to flutter a little bit when you sent the message through, but Ron, he cures all ills. Um, but one ill you might need to help us cure, Ron, is in regards to Unity Group. Uh, today we found out that Aware Super has lobbed in a $6.50 offer for the stock. And seriously, um, you know, why can't they just stick to their own business? Well, what is it? But anyway, uh, just your view in regards to this, are Unity Group going to step up? Is there enough in the synergy benefits to step in, particularly in light of, of course, with, you know, the MBN, um, you know, Mark II, I suppose, and building more fibre uh, to the premises. So they're in a really interesting place now. Do they feel lucky, Punk? What do you think? Yeah, very frustrating. We are in unity. Uh, I think, I think, um, I think the Superfund changed their name to Aware Superfund. And yeah. so, so be aware from me because I'm very angry about this. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, look, it, it's quite frustrating. Obviously, we are in unity. We, we want this deal with Opticum to go ahead. It, it's, it's very um, strategic for them. It'll make them a really big, profitable business, huge synergies. Um, so it is annoying. I mean, look, Unity does own um, just under 20% of Opticum. So they could uh, obviously prevent from a 100% full takeover of Opticum. Um, you know, the, 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 the new increased bid only requires 50% acceptances. Although you would have to think it, it is a nice premium, but the board of Opticum has to also consider the fact that, um, you know, um, you're going to have, uh, the, you know, you're not going to have 100% takeover of the company because of the Unity blocking stake. And so you're not going to really benefit, uh, not all shareholders are going to benefit. And then you're not going to benefit from the synergies of merging with um, Unity and getting that share price upside as well. So that's one thing to consider. On the flip side of this, I mean, Unity could come back and increase its offer, although, you know, it's starting to get up there in terms of expensive. But it does highlight the value uh, of the Unity business. So, I mean, yeah, Opticom is, it might get taken out and Unity will miss out, but then mm. Uh, Aware Superfund might actually come back to, for Unity uh, and pay that kind of huge premium in the future. So, you know, there, there is a positive and a negative to this. Uh, it is frustrating, and I guess we're just going to have to wait to see in the next three days what uh, Von Bowen and, and Nick Simmons have up their sleeve. Yeah, that's right. It'll be very interesting, actually, to see what happens there. Now, it's time to uh, see the light on two stocks, and I'm going to go first uh, now. So remember, folks, these aren't necessarily buy or sell recommendations, purely stocks that are of interest at the minute and you might want to go toddle off and do your own research as to see whether they align with your own personal investment objectives and tolerance to risk. Now, the first stock I want to bring to your attention, and I feel the chart looks pretty good now, is Appen Limited, code APX. Now, in August this year, their share price took a real hit when they released their interim result burden with strong expectations. Unfortunately, the stock didn't quite live up. However, the result was actually quite solid. Revenue growth was up some 30%, despite speech and imaging dropping some 20%. Uh, they also spent quite a bit of money on the platform. And with the acquisition of Figure 8 in May, we saw a decline in EPS. So unfortunately, the market did savage it a little bit. But I feel this pullback has actually created an opportunity for the, and for those that have yet to come on board, uh, the app and bus, there's some good things to like about it. One, uh, net operating cash flow increased some 125% in that last period, and they pay a dividend. Their guidance remained unchanged, more importantly, with EBITDA of around $127 million expected, and with underlying EBITDA margins at the high teens as well. 
Now, since the price has, uh, since that uh, hit where it was sort of the low was $31.50, it's been on a steady move back up. From a chart perspective, there's a few things to like. One, RSI is now back above 52. MACD is now in the green. And pleasingly, the price has stayed above the 200-day moving average this whole time. Levels to watch on the upside, it may encounter some resistance at $38.60, but then once it clears that, chances are it will move towards that all-time high level at around $43.50 odd. Um, and then once it breaks through that, well, it'll be smiles all around. Uh, you can basically throw this tip out the window, though, if it breaks below $30.80. The other stock I want to bring uh, your attention to is a, a newish business um, uh, that many of you may not have heard about. It's in the music industry, actually. It's a company by the name of Jackstar. Now, JAXTA, uh, J, um, JXT is their code. Uh, it's a global database for those in the music industry to claim credit for the work they do. Now, this is not just the music artists themselves, but it's the producers, the sound engineers, the guy that designs the album covers, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, fundamentals at the moment look terrible, but they are growing their subscriber base strongly with a campaign through April, May and June, which has done quite well uh, for them. They now sit at over 6, 60,000 members of their website. I, I like the story. It's new. It's about crediting people and helping them showcase their talent. And the kicker and the reason why you saw the price spike um, recently was they signed an agreement with a company called SongTrader, who's the world's largest licensing company. Now, not only do they get an upfront license fee of half a million dollars, but they also get 20% of the neighboring rights revenues that they receive from SongTrader of anyone that's a JAXTA uh, member. Now, the price though, it did spike on this news but it's now retraced some 30%. And I think this is a good level to get into what is a great story. So it'll be interesting to see how they play there. Definitely not for the faint-hearted, can be volatile. Just got to be aware of that. Um, all right, well, we're about halfway in now, folks. If you've got a question, question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480-079-089. To watch past episodes of the show, go to spotty.com.au. And of course, the podcast is available on all your favorite streaming uh, channels. Uh, now, to continue with our exploration of the 16 traits of successful investing that our great supporters at ShareWealth Systems have made available to all viewers at Spotty, today we're going to learn um, why it's important to have a plan when it comes to investing. And look, it makes a lot of sense to define how you will manage your money. I mean, the greatest traders and investors in the world do this. Uh, look, look at Ron Shamgar, for example. He has a mandate that he follows, so why shouldn't you? More importantly, for you, an investment plan will help you monitor your progress, will hold you accountable, and measure your success ultimately. That's really what it's all about. So it will help you be clear about the current financial situation that you find yourself in. It will uh, unleash your goals and outline you, to you the strategy that you need to take relative to the risks um, that you wish to accept, the rewards that you could possibly achieve. So you can go to 16traits.com. So www.1616traits.com to learn why building a, uh, building a plan and having one is essential when creating a successful portfolio. If you go in blind, you, you never really come out in front and luck is not a successful investment strategy. All right then, as we go to air currently, uh, just having a look at the uh, XJO, uh, yep, still around very similar levels, not much waking it up today. The junior gold space is going nuts, but we'll ignore that. Um, for the moment, Ron, we'll uh, definitely stick with um, our bread and butter. This email comes from Chris, who would love to have our view on 4D Medical. The code is 4DX. Now, it's pretty, he believes it's expensive compared to its revenue and growth at the moment. Um, is he missing something? 
because this stock has absolutely gone on a tear in recent days. The last three days, it's been in and amongst the top performers of the market. So this is not a one-day pony or a uh, social media pump-up. This is, uh, seems to have a bit of uh, money ploughing into it. So, Ron, are you familiar with uh, 4DX, and uh, what's your view on the business? Yeah, look, well, Chris is definitely right. <laughs> it is expensive. Um, <laughs> 4DX, um, they're a software technology company. Um, they do a lung imaging uh, software. Essentially, they've got this patented uh, technology that converts uh, X-ray scans uh, into data for physicians to analyze um, you know, better um, and obviously enhance uh, patient outcomes. They received FDA approval for their uh, platform uh, in May this year. And obviously they listed, uh, I think they raised um, $47 million. So they, they have that in cash. Uh, you know, they don't make any money, that there is no revenues and they're not supposed to have any revenues until FY22. So, you know, a couple mm -hmm. of years of sort of trying to get customers. Um, you know, they're going to burn about $20, $30 million of cash in the next year or two. So it's something to watch out for. Uh, and then if you look at, uh, I mean, it's 700 mil market cap. Um, so it is pretty up there. I mean, it's done really well. I think it's sort of tripled from the IPO price. Um, yeah. If you look at the uh, broker, Bell Potter, I think, which did the IPO, they covered them and they have a dollar seventy price target, which is way below the current share price. Uh, so that's one thing to uh, keep in mind. And then also, I think, I mean, maybe, I mean, obviously that they need to get these US hospitals uh, to, um, uh, you know, sign up for pilot programs. So maybe there's some, um, some noise or rumors that, that that's sort of some, uh, you know, some big customers are going to be signed in the US, uh, which is why the share price has run up. I don't really know, but I mean, 700 mil market cap, zero revenues. Uh, it's not something we invest in. No, but you know, there's a lot of these Meditech businesses that are, you know, trading at nosebleed levels. But the problem is, of course, is when you actually get in. And one of the things I'd point you to at the moment, Chris, is to look at that price action from today. You would have noticed that it did spike up to $3 intraday, but it's now reverted back um, to down to around $2.50, inverted hammers. You can call them all sorts of what you will in regards to candles. But stocks like this generally are a bit of a sign of exhaustion that maybe the price has had a bit of a too strong a run up. And let's face it, it's got a couple gaps that it needs to fill um, on that way down before it can continue its longer term trajectory. So the best uh, bit of guidance I can give from a chart perspective is that it's just one of those stocks that's running pretty hot at the minute. Um, you just need to treat it that way, respect that that's the fact um, if you are going to take a bit of a nibble. But I think that you know a lot of people have made some money. There'll be some profit taking had in the near term. And obviously that's something that you just got to be aware about. And the other thing being, when does stock come out of escrow? from those that listed. When you see a tripling on your IPO price, that's gonna be another thing to watch. Ron, one of the stocks that's been in the media um, in recent times for uh, CEOs doing bad things is CleanAway, code CWY. Um, obviously, it's a waste management company, a bit more diversified than Bingo, which has you know pretty much more construction, whereas CleanAway tends to be a much more broader business. But of course, um, we saw reports um, in regards to the media with the bullying scandal and the CEO writing nasty emails um, to their staff and the like. But really, it's almost a monopoly that they run. So CleanAway, CWI, what's, what's your view in regards to the current investment thesis there? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, the, um, you know, it's been in the media. There's been a lot of uh, issues um, there with, with the CEO and bullying and uh, uh, you know, a huge sort of rotation in, in managers there that the pressure is too high. 
And so I guess that sort of um, brought that culture of, of not bringing issues, um, uh, you know, um, making management aware because, <clears throat> you know, they sort of managers there were, were sort of scared of, of what will happen to them with the CEO. And there's also a report in the AFR I saw today with some of the EPA uh, regulatory licenses for some of the uh, waste collection uh, uh, locations, uh, which hasn't been sort of up for scratch, uh, up to scratch, and they, you know, sort of violated some of those licenses. So that could be an issue there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but in saying that, as you mentioned, you know, they are kind of like a kind of a monopoly. Um, they're, they're a big uh, waste management business, pretty resilient. Um, we saw Bingo give an update recently. Uh, so there's definitely a pickup in that sort of uh, commercial and, and housing sector. So that, that should benefit them as well. Um, you know, I mean, we, we don't own it. Um, I, I noticed that sort of broker price targets is roughly about 10% higher from where the current share price is. So, um, you know, th there is not a huge amount of upside, but probably not a huge amount of downside. But I guess on the flip side, um, you know, you, I mean, the question was sort of, if, if that, that's a concern, so I guess from a, you know, maybe from a ethical perspective or corporate governance, it's not something that you want to own because of these issues. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's the, the issue. The price is, you know, I mean, over that longer term has uh, had its own <laughs> sort of checkered history there. But look, uh, yeah, ultimately at the end of the day, notwithstanding as good as what the business thesis and the idea will be, it's, you know, when you look at stocks like this, it has, you, you can see a bit of a basing in regards to its price. It's had a bit of a tumultuous past leading up to now, but now it seems to be finding some light. But seriously, to be honest, from a chart perspective, I probably wouldn't look at this until at least cracked a, a minimum $2.60. Um, and that's, you know, where we're we at the moment, $2.25. So it's got quite a bit of ways um, before it actually gets there. So yeah, look, plenty time to go there. Maybe management change may very well be the stimulus that gets this. It'll depend on what how proactive the board get and whatever gets uncovered there. Um, now, a question from Phil for you, Ron. This is a, a unique business. It's XRF Scientific, code XRF. It's one of those small ones, but a good one. So, you know, it's about to produce its quarterly. Um, it's a very small cap, though. It seems like it's got good tech. It even pays a dividend. Are you familiar with XRF, Ron? And uh, yeah, if you are, um, what's your view on the business? Um, yeah, look, um, XRF, uh, yeah, small little uh, micro cap, 40 mil uh, mark, uh, market cap. They uh, provide lab testing services and equipment and consumables to the mining industry. So their, their sort of biggest exposure is uh, iron ore and, and gold. So obviously that, that's been doing really well, which has benefited them. Um, they are actually a very cyclical type of business. So I don't necessarily think it's one that you sort of uh, put in the bottom drawer, so to speak, even you can look at the share price. Uh, it's not one you want to sort of uh, set and forget. I think that they should benefit this year from, um, from, from the thematic of iron ore and gold. They've got, they've got a bit of cash about almost $3 million of net cash. So they might do some acquisitions, which they may not need to raise. So that could be really accretive. They pay a nice little divvy, so you got a 5% 40 franc dividend yield there. Uh, they're trading on about, based on sort of some of the estimates that we've seen from brokers for this financial year, they're on about 13 times PE. And so, you know, I mean, valuation is probably worth about 10% higher than the current share price. So it doesn't really get us too excited. And um, it, it is a cyclical business. So it's one that you want to, I guess, um, sell 
you know, when they, when, when there's good times, probably in the next 12 months, and then, yep. yeah, uh, look to buy it in, in, the, in the bad times. Now, Ron, uh, there was a question from Pete who actually asked, you know, who noted that there seems to be a lot of activity going on in the mining sector at the moment and wanted to know companies who offer lab service or technology types to their whole, you know, assessing the grades and all that sort of thing, of which XRF is one. Probably the big main player that provides um, the services, uh, Pete, is ALQ or ALS uh, Limited, the old Campbell brothers, which then morphed into that. Um, another interesting uh, little one uh, that came through, and also this is to answer your question too, Lisa, is uh, Swick Mining Services. Now, SWK is their code, and they're known as a drilling contractor. However, a lot's being made of their ore explore technology, which is used uh, for core analysis. It acquired this business from a Swedish mob in 2017. And what makes this a potential game changer is that it doesn't just, you know, complete a surface scan that you got to do in regards to, you know, determine the composition of the rock and the internal structure and all that sort of thing. But there's an ability to analyze the sample on site and in a fraction of the time. So you don't actually have to send it to a laboratory. You can actually review it um, where you've got on the site. Now, the company's just been awarded a contract with St. Barbara. Uh, SBM is their code to perform some 1,500 studies of their core analysis. Now, we're actually expecting results from that Gualia, um, you know, project uh, in the next month. So, or actually towards the end of this month, early next month. So all eyes will be watching that closely because if it's as good as what they say, it is, it'll really hyperspeed the, the, uh, the time it takes in order to conduct an assessment. Now, the company is saying that they're probably going to split the drilling business and the tech business. And if you're to read all the you know, social media or the hot coppers of the world, investors can't wait for that soon enough because some believe in the tech and then others believe in the drilling business. However, the outcome is it's an interesting little play um, at the moment. It's around uh, the 20 cent mark at the moment and will always bounce a little bit um, around there. Ron, a question uh, that's come through uh, just on the text message comes from Anthony. Uh, oh, no, sorry, not Anthony. Uh, I'll come to your question in a moment, Anthony. Uh, it's from Pete. Just wants to know, oh, no, it wasn't Pete. It was someone. But anyway, someone was asking about Redbubble, RBL. Um, obviously, you've been watching the Alexa sort of ratings, the web rankings, and more people are using uh, Redbubble. It's, it had an amazing ride. It's been going sideways since. Are you maintaining the faith in this business? Yes, we really like Redbubble. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, we track the Alexa global web ranking and it's, um, you know, uh, the stock started the year at, at number 1200 in the world or so. And um, it's now 480, uh, number number 480 globally. So that, that's basically telling you that a lot more people are, uh, are using it and visiting the website. I mean, it is really a Europe, North America play. They, they don't really play much in Australia. So most Australians never really heard of it. Um, they're, they're really benefiting from that shift to e-commerce and you know they've they got a really great marketplace type business they don't hold any inventory you know they've got a collection of half a million plus uh, artists globally that provide the, the artwork and then they get fulfillers uh, to, to print it on demand uh, they've got about 120 different product categories so you know they're, they're really doing re really well like a very um, positive sort of working capital they, they get the money from the consumer and they only pay the artist and the fulfiller over the next few weeks so they, they do really well in terms of cash flow they're profitable we estimate that they're making about eight million dollars of EBITDA every month this financial year wow. uh, consensus estimates for this financial year is 50 mil EBITDA and they could do that just in the first half of this year if our estimate is correct now they're going to update their first quarter 
sales uh, maybe tomorrow or, or maybe next week. It, it will be any day. Um, and, it, you know, we expect it to be good. The key for the next re-rate is obviously a strong update and that EBITDA number. But also investors will want to get a feel for whether sales momentum has from July has continued to accelerate and, you know, whether face masks is still a very large proportion of sales although the company is driving that. So they're, they're, you know, it's sort of under their control. But yeah, great business. And if it does keep doing well, and if you look at the valuations of Kogan, Temple, Webster and those, uh, this thing is worth double. Yeah, I mean, looking at that share price, the, it's been consolidating pretty much for the last you know, month and a half, which is in this current market a lifetime, it would feel. Um, but obviously it's looking for that next catalyst. You, are you going to get it back at levels of around a dollar? It'd be highly, highly unlikely that that's going to occur. Um, so from a chart perspective, if you were wanting to just get a little bit more guarantee, then you would probably wait for that quarterly update. If it is a positive one, then you are going to have to pay up for it. But that may be the catalyst that breaks it through. Just having a little look here, $4.70 odd, which would then give it some blue sky in order for it to re-rate and continue running. And I think the exciting thing in regards to Redbubble is the overseas uptake, um, which is going incredibly well. It's amazing how you get these sliding door stocks where you're, you're in a certain circumstance pre-COVID and then COVID comes and all of a sudden it just changes, uh, you know, it just changes your life. And Redbubble's definitely been one of those and it's done incredibly well and kudos to management. Um, Ron, got a question from Mike, who's a first time, long time. So good on you, Mike. Thanks very much for jumping on. Interested in investing some cash in the gaming space, he says. Um, obviously, uh, sees all that money that's being parted around to a pack of kids who live in dark rooms and play computer games all day. Talk about COVID uh, taking over. Um, in regards to it, he, he's just wanting to know whether we've got a view on a company ESP, which I must admit I don't know uh, much about. But um, what I'll do is I'll have a look at that, Ron. But do you have any view in regards to e um, gaming? And is there any stocks in that sector that you do like? Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming he's, he's talking more about sort of um, actual sort of uh, uh, games or, or esport um, sort of games, not not the actual sort of gambling gaming. Yes, correct. Uh, Sorry. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. So like ICI and ESH. And yeah, those sorts yeah. Of yeah. Um, we don't. To, to be honest, we um, you know we, we have looked. There's a few of them out there. Um, uh, I think for memory, maybe yeah, like he mentioned, um, there's EM1. There's that. Yep. Uh, esports one uh, a candy but you know we, we look at them and none of them really make any revenues uh, they all claim to have some sort of a platform or, or whatever and they're getting all these users but there's just no no revenue flowing through so we, we had to find a company that uh, is actually making money out of this and maybe they will one day i don't know but um yeah I, i'm not sure there is one on the asx probably overseas to be honest yeah, well, definitely overseas, there's massive players um, over there, um, Blizzard and, and a whole range of them actually here in Australia. It's very much a growing space. Um, I touched on ESH, which has actually gone into a trading hold today, raising some more capital, which is unusual because they told investors a month ago that they were well cashed up. The halt is till Friday, so chances are so there might be another auxiliary announcement from there. EM1 at the moment has a pilot program going in South Africa trying to uh, you know, get new gamers on board with a lower end type of um, targeted product. 25,000 new subscribers recently. Didn't shoot the lights out. Its price was sold off a little bit from there. Um, and then Niv Dagan, who's uh, uh, and also a, a fan of ours and uh, appears there, raised capital recently for ICI. 
which is iCandy, another company who's in that space. Its price has had a real big comeback actually in recent times, um, sort of got to that cent mark and then, um, well, sorry, 10 cent mark and uh, since then it's now actually at, at uh, 0.64. But yeah, if you're looking at fundamentals, it's a little tough to find any um, in this place, Mike. But who knows, if you keep watching and keep asking, eventually we'll find someone who gets really uh, optimistic. Actually, stay tuned for when Niv's on because he'll give you some insight into how big it is. I think I mentioned the largest competition in esports globally is the international. The guy that won that won more than what Novak Djokovic won winning the Australian Open. It's just absolutely insane. So there's someone's making money somewhere. Uh, and yet the Australian companies just at this moment. Ron, money me. The code is MME. Jaden is asking about it. Um, he wants uh, our thoughts in regards to the warehouse facility deal um, and, uh, uh, sorry, the wholesale facility deal that they've just struck with uh, Westpac. Um, and is this one on your radar in particular um, or is it a sector far too difficult in the current climate? So MME is the code for money me. Yeah, money me. Um, look, uh, online consumer lender. Um, you know, they're actually a really good business. Uh, the managing director and founder, Clayton Howe, is a re really great guy, very entrepreneurial. Built it, um, you know, it makes about 50 million revenues. Um, it's actually profitable, um, believe it or not. Um, they're, they're really trying to, you know, paint themselves at more as a buy now, pay later type of lender rather than just a. Uh, you know, an online consumer lender. So they have they have a, a few sort of innovative products that are very similar to sort of installment type buy now, pay later, where you can essentially um, get approved, you get sent a, a digital card to your mobile wallet, and then you buy something and it spreads out the payments for you over a set period of time. So it's kind of similar, but they just haven't been able to get that re-rating from the market. Uh, that uh, wholesale funding facility, they, they've been talking about that since they listed last year. They finally yeah. got it. It will reduce their cost of funding substantially. So that's a positive. But um, I just think that the, the issue with them is uh, obviously investors are concerned about um, just generally consumer loans and unemployment. What happens um, sort of next year uh, when the uh, sort of the JobKeeper and the like uh, sort of tapers off and they're just not considered by the market as, as a, as a true buy now pay later so we don't own it we owned it uh, prior to COVID um, but uh, yeah um, I think it's one that um, uh, should continue to grow and the market will have to get convinced all right then Ron it's time for you to help us see the light on two stocks that we're going to do our own research into and see if they align with our own investment objectives and tolerance to risk so what companies would you like to shine the light on now yeah I thought um you know, th this week, sort of, I'll talk about um, that sort of maybe travel thematic, uh, domestic tourism. I mean, we saw BAPCOR today update yep. the market, really strong trading. Uh, I think that the used uh, vehicle market is really doing really well. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I think people are avoiding public transport, um, obviously because of, of COVID. They're using their car more. So we've seen the really strong demand in the, in the uh, used vehicle market. So there's two companies that I think sort of indirect beneficiaries. One is Money Me. Eh, sorry, <laughs> Money Money Three. <laughs> money Three. That's right. Uh, money Three, which is M N Y, is the code. So they are uh, like a pure um, used vehicle and now new vehicle consumer finance business. They've actually been really resilient and done uh, really well uh, during COVID, and uh, I think they are going to benefit. They're going to. Um, I think they'll have a very strong trading update uh, in the upcoming AGM in the next few weeks. 
which uh, we'll see sort of maybe some um, consensus sort of analyst upgrades. Um, so really well-run business. Uh, they might acquire other um, uh, used vehicle um, finance businesses here in New Zealand. Uh, they're obviously really well funded, so they've got that advantage. Um, and they're just going to keep growing. They pay a good divvy. And we think that uh, they're, they're possibly worth around $3. And the other one is national tire and distribution. The code is NTD. Um, so they are one, pretty much one of the largest uh, tire and wheel distributors uh, in Australia, mostly. Um, last um, financial year, really conservative management team. They did about 170 mil revenue. And they did better their profit than was expected around 13 or 14 million EBITDA. But what more importantly is, um, they just acquired their largest competitor, Tires for You, and that business has about 250 million of revenues uh, or 280 million of revenues. Uh, but they were struggling to make profit. So uh, we think that as a combined group, they're going to do about 450 million of revenues. And management reckons that they can get the the business uh, to similar sort of EBITDA margins to what they were doing, which implies over $30 million of EBITDA uh, in FY22, which is roughly uh, 15 to 17 mil of, of cash profit uh, compared to the current market cap, which is roughly 85, 90 mil. So mm. we think if they do that, there's good upside. And obviously they're going to benefit from people using their vehicles more and, and, and you know, uh, driving around more. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my two picks. Excellent. Thank you very much for that, Ron, from Tamam Asset Management. Thank you for your contribution this afternoon. Oh, by the way, I'll give you an update on the Lakers score, shall I? Oh, no, I won't do that to you, Ron. Uh, but thanks very much for your contribution as always. And yeah, our uh, the messages just went into meltdown and no small part because of you. Thank you. And thanks, folks, Elia. And that's all we have time for today. We're going to cut it a little short because politicians have been acting crazy and there's a lot of news to cover at this news station. So, uh, uh, of course, you can send your questions in early. Remember, question at spotty.com.au or text us 0480 Anthony, you sent us a text message there. Um, we can't text you back. Could you resend that text message? Just have a look at the wording of your question. It was a little unclear, if you wouldn't mind redoing that. And we'll answer it in subsequent episodes uh, moving forward. Uh, tomorrow, we've got Richard Hemming from Under the Radar Report and Gary Stone, our great friend from Sharewell Systems. Uh, now, remember as well, if there is an expert that you'd like to see on the show, and I'm getting a little thin on the ground, then please uh, send me an email at question at spotty.com.au. Um, hit me up and also hit them up for it too, because they think I'm a telemarketer when I first reach out. Thanks again to our sponsors at Sharewell Systems. Remember, go to the website 16trades.com to learn the 16 traits of successful investing. Thanks, Ticker, for letting us take an hour of prime time. Thanks, Mike, for pushing all the right buttons as always. Uh, stay tuned for this update. It's coming up shortly. Until tomorrow, I'm Elio D'Amato, and you've been watching Spotty, and together we've been shining the spotlight on shares. Bye now. Stream us live on the Ticker app, Apple TV, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and tickertv.com.au. Ticker, streaming news now. Thank you.